1: What up y'all? We are back with more of the DNVR Draft Podcast. I'm Justin Michael. I'm with Andre Simone. We are continuing our conversation. If you missed it on part 1, we dove into the Heisman race, which is as open as it's been in quite a few years. We gave our mid-season predictions for conference winners, playoff picks. We kind of talked through it. Dre reminded everybody why he is the man with some solid, solid picks for those conference winners. Made me feel dumb for picking Texas to go to the playoff, but that's why we have the expert here, Horns Dre. Horns down, baby.
2: Horns down. Horns down. That's right. I gotta stay
1: true to our roots. How's it going,
2: man? It's always great, Jane. Like, always great. And hyped to do a mock? So, when's the last time we did a mock episode? It's been months. Like, I don't know. Probably summer. Dude, the college football talk's been too hot for us to get into these mocks. How do you watch NFL games now that the Broncos are absolutely terrible? Like,
1: because just through the lens of the draft, it's literally the only thing that matters. Like, I'm a season ticket holder for the Broncos, so it's it's conflicting. And there was a small part of me, admittedly, that for a couple hours, especially being in that stadium and seeing all the Packers fans, seeing them have to go, you know, with their their tails tucked between their legs, just as a football fan, there was a small part of me that was like, yes. I needed that. I've been craving that. And then immediately I was like, oh, yes, that win does so much more harm than good in the long run. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm it's racing for the number one pick at this point.
2: And I just like hate watching all the other games as well. Um, and like just rooting for the bad teams to win. But I'm also happy if the bad teams lose because it's like misery loves company. It's been very weird as much as like the first part of this um, draft pod on a beautiful Friday uh, was, was very like talking up how great this college football season is. I think we feel like the exact opposite of the NFL
0: season.
1: Oh, it's, it really has not been very entertaining to me. Um, I haven't felt like the games have been great in terms of the quality of play. The quarterback play from top to bottom is as poor in the league as I can remember. Like, It just feels like there's so many bad quarterbacks consistently playing a lot of reps for these teams. But yeah, I'm right there with you. It's just because we don't really know how to be in this position, you know? Like, even these last couple years, I think you, me, and Jake, we were a little bit more open to the idea of, hey, they really should burn this down and rebuild because they're further away from being a contender than they believe and they're operating as if they're, you know, one piece away if they had done that a little bit earlier, you know, maybe we'd already be out of this, but the Broncos historically, obviously outside of the sixties are a team that doesn't lose for very long. They figure it out. And I don't know now that we're just like in this Arizona Cardinals, old school Detroit lions, obviously not this year. They're, they're a fun team. But now that we're in that territory, it's just like, I don't even know what to do with my hands.
2: It's been, um, It's been quite odd and quite different. But we do need to remember the beauty of the NFL. Things turn around in an instant. Uh, I wonder if it might even be happening during this season itself. We shall see. But right now, let's get into this mock. Carolina Panthers' only winless team in the entire NFL. And thanks to their trade-up last year for Bryce Young in the draft, the Chicago Bears owned that pick. If you were the Bears, are you even considering trading out of this again, or is it like, don't be stupid, just take Caleb Williams and get this? Line?
1: The fact that they have an opportunity to land Caleb Williams after trading out of these picks, don't be dumb, take the guy. Maybe you're able to flip Justin Fields for for you know something as well, and, and you're able to get some compensation back on. On that asset, but yeah, I just I, I I don't see a way in which they don't go quarterback here.
2: And I think Fields would return more than like Trey Lance did this offseason or Sam Darnold did when the Panthers traded for him from the Jets. You know, like they they two early day three at the very least. I mean and I was going to say different. you might be able to get
1: a third foreign if somebody you know really was desperate enough. Probably more like a fourth
2: round, fifth round pick, but you never know. And he could he could salvage it way more than that, you know, where he actually is an intriguing trade piece. But I think between Caleb and Fields, you need to go. Uh, you need to go with Caleb here, and it's kind of a no brainer. And I don't think there'll be any market or any talk. For this top pick, and I think revisionist history will say, boy, the Panthers kind of blew it with this trade.
0: Oh, disastrous, man. I mean, you could have... Like, I love Bryce Young. I, I,
1: I think Bryce Young, as a passer, is as pure of a college prospect as we've seen. Just the timing, some of the stuff he did. I mean, I, I loved him at Bama, truly. But when you looked at that Panthers roster and you just knew like this is not a good spot for him to land and they could have, I mean, they could have built in the trenches and still had a chance to get Caleb Williams this year. It just, it feels like they vastly, I don't know, underrated how long or how far away they are from being a competitive football team. And they're going to waste four years of Bryce Young on this rookie deal and
2: then We're still not going to know. Like, is he the real deal or not? Because he's been in this awful spot. And an awkward fit in that Frank Reich system, which always seemed a bit odd. Um, Next pick, Cards would have the second overall pick. They're the only team with one win thus far this season. Kyler said to be back um, and cleared of injury already. That's another fascinating spot. Because Drake may is staring you in the face. but So is
0: Marvin Harrison Jr.
2: I mean, this one at this stage, as
1: of you know, October 27th, is probably the the hardest to forecast, just because we do need to see Kyler Murray out on the field. Like he could salvage it with a pretty strong performance down the stretch, and then all of a sudden it's well, obviously it's it's Marvin Harrison Jr. Or, you know, it could kind of go in the direction it's seemingly been going these last couple of years, which is are we so sure that Kyler is going to be that guy in the NFL? Can he stay healthy? Yeah. It's a big question mark. I, mean, I would go Drake May personally. I again, I just I can't pass on a quarterback. I think you've at this point you have a large enough sample size with Kyler and Justin Fields where it's it's not, you know, like when they passed on Josh Rosen after a year or whatever, you know, you you kind of know who he is, you kind of know what you have.
0: I think it's time to move forward.
2: I'm with you on that. Um, And I kind of think no matter who the team's rafting are, one is Caleb, two is Drake May. And I kind of feel like three, where for Tankathon, it's the Bears, again, is Marvin Harrison Jr. I kind of feel like even right now, that's the set and forget top three. Those are the guys that are just so good. You can't pass on them. And if you are willing to pass on them, you're going to get a nice little trade package for you from a team potentially like the Broncos who will be coming up at four to move up for.
1: That would be the only thing I would consider, especially for a team like Chicago who just could afford like, you know, trade back to six and maybe you add another first round pick or something like that, you know, just whatever it would be. I would consider it. But I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a generational wide receiver prospect. And if you could come away with arguably two of the most intriguing prospects we've seen over the last 10 years, that's pretty hard to walk away from. Um, I guess just throwing out some guys, you could maybe see in that mix if they went a, another direction. Obviously, Fashanu, the offensive tackle from Penn State, Joe Alt out of Notre Dame. Like, if they decided to build in the trenches, I could see that outside of those two. I, I mean, I, I can't see any receiver going over him. I mean, Edge maybe, like, if you fell in love with somebody like verse or Dallas Turner or something like that, but right. I think it's got to be Marvin Harrison Jr. Especially, they don't have a ton. It's not like Chicago's loaded with skill talent.
2: No, exactly. I mean, they're desperate for skill talent. In fact, them going with Darnell Wright last year, they found their right tackle. I could see Fashanu being a bit of a culture fit. But yeah, I just think Marvin Harrison Jr. is just far too good to pass up. Like far too good.
1: Um, and it's he's just been so good for so long now like so many of these receivers at the collegiate level they kind of have the, the like flash in the pan it's like oh there was that four game stretch where they were amazing and then they were kind of quiet for like the rest of the year outside of battling injuries I mean when Marvin Harrison Jr. has been out there he's been one of the
2: best players on the field if not the best player every single time absolutely and being able to pair a franchise quarterback with that kind of Potential franchise-wide receiver, I think is just too enticing a proposition
1: to pass up. That's like Madden franchise mode type opportunity. Things that just don't occur in real life. For sure, man. And then the Broncos. (laughs) And then there was the Broncos, who just watched the three best prospects in this draft
0: go off the board.
2: Now, Brock Bowers... Also potentially a generational, transcendent type of talent. But he's a tight end. And we all know this franchise needs a lot more than an upgrade at tight end to right the ship here. Um, The conversation has to start with that next tier of quarterbacks. J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix. Shadrur Sanders, if he were to declare, though that seems less likely at this point. Riley Leonard would be another guy. Uh, the Duke, phenomenal athlete, running quarterback, sadly has dealt with some injuries. Bonex. I don't think I'm omitting anyone that really deserves to be in that conversation. And I'm, I'm even casting a pretty wide net and being fairly generous on um, like the next throw out. How would you feel about that tier of quarterbacks? And I think especially J.J. and Penix,
1: Those would be the most intriguing options to me. I will say, obviously, as a pure passer, you like what you've seen from Penix a little bit more. J.J. has developed in a major way in the last year to a point now where his plus traits as an athlete are so intriguing that if if he really is going to be this consistent as a passer and it kind of started in that playoff run last year, I felt like yep. he's really intriguing and I think he would be my pick right now just because knife to my back. I think his ceiling in the long run, maybe just a little bit higher, but I mean, Penix outside of this past week has just been so consistent. My big concern with him obviously is longevity has had health has been a major concern throughout his career. and I don't know I, I just there's something about
2: McCarthy this year that that really intrigues me you know one I'm with you 100% on JJ we need to see it um, against the tippy top like teams he's going to play at the end of the year here um, but yeah the upside is so enticing. Um The comps that come to mind for him are all scary, sadly. When you look at him, he's very Desmond Rittery, Marcus Mariota. Uh, Not who I'd be excited to draft that fourth overall, but he's better. Like, he's just a long athlete. He gets it out quick. He's got plenty of zip, um, and he's just really starting to feel in command of that offense. The other thing worth remembering is, you know, well, while, while it'd be a bummer to not to be in this situation if things pan out. This is where you're drafting. A recent history has taught us that the top guy, the top two guys drafted in a draft class are seldom actually the top guys. And it's actually the Mahomes, the Tua's, the Josh Allen's, who might have been the second, third, Justin Herber, quarterback drafted. In their classes, Jalen Hurts, who actually end up being um, the
0: big dogs. Good point.
2: I'd go JJ, gun to my head, all things considered. And with how things pan out, JJ might be going second overall in, uh, you know, when we do this exercise in a month and a half, in a month. um, I'd certainly be be, fine with Drake May falling into your lap that would be a beautiful thing. So and I think, you know, while some of our listeners won't love it, I do think that that's certainly where you start. Um they got to figure out this quarterback position and doing it
1: through the draft with a cost-effective contract is the best way to do this because it's they got to rebuild this whole roster, guys. Like it's not it's not 2015, all right, I, you know, we're trying to receive her here, you know, another linebacker, we're going to be good. They got a lot of work to do. And starting with this quarterback position is, is just going to be huge. And, I mean, I'd, I'd love to get a guy like Fashanu from Penn State. You yes. know, I think he would immediately solve the, the void that you've had at tackle that's been an issue. I know Garrett Bowles has had moments where he's been better, but as a whole, I don't think he's... Lived up to that contract extension that
2: he got. And obviously, before that, he had his struggles. Him and Joe Alt feel very Sean Payton picks. <laughs> Ideally, if you were more in that like seven, eight range, I think, than uh, top five, you know, um, would you consider a trade back? With how I feel about JJ, I would not. Um, Same and and how I feel they need to rebuild from the quarterback position. Um, And, you know, the other point I would add is, you know, they're going to be 30 million over the cap next year. So this thing isn't getting better without getting worse at first. Um, And, you know, the way Russ's contract extension breaks down and stuff, it might just be easier to get get out of that this offseason while you can. You do have a very intriguing group of players, uh, Bowers and all the quarterbacks we've mentioned. I I guess I didn't bring up Quinn Hewers, which is someone who has been mentioned at times in this mix. We mentioned the top two tackles. I think the top two wide receivers, um, of course, after Marvin Harrison Jr., Romo Dunze, uh, Keon Coleman, certainly worth mentioning. And then it's the... The, the top edges, right? The Dallas Turners, the Jers versus Chop Robinson from Penn State, who sadly got injured in that bout against Ohio State, who I think are are the next guys you would talk about. All premium positions um, and all really intriguing and nice upgrades.
1: I think it speaks to where the Broncos are at, where every position group you just threw out, all would make sense. Denver needs upgrades at every single one of those positions. They need... More receiver talent. They need to improve that secondary. They need, you know, more speed at the, the edge. It's just, it's a mess. But it's a quarterback league, point blank period. And if you have a top five pick, you have an opportunity to land one of these top two or three quarterback prospects. I think you got to pull the trigger because we passed on too
2: many of them over the years. So true. We'll uh, we'll fly through the rest of the top five. G-Men, New York Giants are fifth overall. This is a team it's funny, we've talked through the top four, every team has a bit of a quarterback debate this is one where as bad as Daniel Jones has been I think that contract's too fresh and he's too young to move off of it and drop someone fifth overall. That's a wide receiver room that's desperate for upgrades Coleman, Odunze gun to your head, who do you pick right now?
1: I'd go Odunze. I just think that combination of size and speed is so attractive, especially with a QB like Daniel Jones, who could use somebody to stretch the field and open some things up. They want to run the ball inherently. And I think Odunze is a guy over the top in a play action, you know, in play action looks could just be nasty and they need more talent. The other guy I would throw out though, again, though, is, when you watch the Giants this year, that offensive line is a disaster, and they could certainly be in that
2: Alt Fashanu mix as well. It's such a like, classic Parcells Giant, Coughlin Giants type of pick. And honestly, Fashanu's so freaking talented. Um, in most drafts, a guy like that's not dropping out the top three. So even I
1: mean, he feels like obviously health you know, is always a question, you know, you, if somebody gets hurt, that changes the entire trajectory of their career. Fashanu feels like a Joe Thomas type pick, where it's just like, you got your guy, and for the next decade, hopefully more, you don't have to worry about that position.
2: No, he's clean, he's got all the measurables, he moves so well. Um, yeah, no, that's not, that's not necessary. What's
1: your, uh, what's your gut, I guess? You're, you're making the Giants pick here, you gotta pick, do they go receiver
2: or tackle? Um, You know, you, you drafted Andrew Thomas basically in the same spot not that long ago. I think you got to go Odunze and see what you can do with that kind of wide receiver talent. And I, too, give Odunse the edge just slightly. Six, the Patriots. <laughs> Another messy, messy situation. Um, and God, Mac Jones has been so bad, I, it's going to be hard not to move off him.
1: They feel more talent devoid than any of the teams we've talked about thus far.
2: They really do, man. They really do. Um, and yet, like a guy like Fashanu drops to them, he feels so patriot-y. <laughs> the team that drafted Cole Strange uh, in the first round, like they're making the most of their top six pick, and they're taking a guy like Fashanu. Panics. I love him. I think it's early. I think top six is really early. I've never really bought the Ewers hype. Um, Frankly, I think Riley Leonard, like Shadour, is probably more likely to go back to school. I'm not ready to have a Jordan Travis conversation just yet, you know. Um, And Bonix, I, I think that's a little crazy, this high and... Holy! I, could you have? He's a he's
0: a
1: legit times. QB prospect now. But if they take Bonix in the top ten, they deserve whatever happens to them because we still do have a large sample size of Bonix being Bonix
2: That'd be nuts. So let's give him Fashanu here. Seven. Um, the Packers. Another interesting
1: one with you know Jordan Love. I don't think they'll move on from him as of yet. I think that's another team that could. Benefit from some more talent out wide. I know they drafted a lot of receivers. I know they drafted Musgrave last year. So probably not going Brock Bowers yeah. there.
2: What about Bowers for the Patriots at six? He feels, I mean, that's the thing is like, he, it's certainly
0: a Belichick pick, but who's throwing him the football?
2: I mean, yeah. He really might just be Gronk 2.0. Let's do that. That's way more fun. It's more fun. and then give the Green Bay the air to Bakhtiari, who sadly can't say anything. Um, okay, yeah, and I like it. Then Fashani goes to Green Bay, that makes sense. Insane, but the chargers would be drafting at eighth overall.
0: Probably with a new head coach, I assume. Um,
1: is this where we see the first defensive player potentially? I mean, He could go another receiver, obviously. Herbert could use a receiver, I feel like. he's That's another team where, like, if Brock Bowers did fall to them, Herbert with Bowers could be a lot of fun. Yeah. I guess I'm going to just throw out Keon Coleman or, like, maybe somebody like Kool-Aid McKinstry, cornerback at Alabama.
2: It's a good one. What about getting a little younger at the edge spot opposite Joey Bosa? Um... And going with a Jared Verse or a Chop Robinson.
1: I, I'm, I'd i go with Verse, I think, out of those two. You like Although, Dallas, I think yeah. Dallas Turner is my guy. I mean, obviously, he's a Bama guy, but I, I really do think he might be the most
2: complete edge out of those three. Yeah. Man, Turner would be a nice little change of pace for what they got. More of a downhill guy, more off ball. Um he'd be really fun. And I mean, versus such a technician, kool McIntyre is actually probably the guy that makes most no sense. But they need, they need
1: help in that secondary.
2: Yeah. And Joe Walt wouldn't make much sense. Number nine, Tennessee. Joe Walt would They're be not... a great pick for Virgil. Yeah. The edges we've mentioned would be a great pick. I mean, they've got Will Levis. They've got Malik. Would they go quarterback? And if so, what would the quarterback
0: be? The
2: third year in a row, they took a quarterback in the top couple rounds? Top couple rounds, but this would finally be taking one top 10. That defense is awesome at times, you know. They're a team I could see. I, I mean, Keon Coleman, I think they could use
0: receiver help. Um it feels too
1: early for Bo Nix, but I, I, if out of everybody that would like a quarterback like Bo Nix, Rabel feels like the guy. Like, oh, he's big, he's strong. You know,
0: I can run him around a little bit. He's learned. I just, I can't, I can't project Bo Nix in the top ten. I can't do it. He does. I'm gonna go. I think Joe Alt. I think Alt makes the most sense.
2: I will say of all the teams in the top ten. Bonex feels most titan y or Saints y, which is the next team, but Alt feels like such a variable pick. Such a just pick. a guy that would understand the value of a player like that. He's a big ass dude who's at his best blocking in space and run blocking, like that. He's a, he was born to be a tight number 10. Saints car's got a big contract. Would you go Panix? I mean. Could you go Keon Coleman?
0: Olave hasn't exactly been a stud.
2: I mean, he has his moments, but that offense is like dreadfully boring. That's yeah, I was gonna say
1: being fair to him, it's kind of hard to, to judge him in that system at the moment. But
2: yeah,
0: I mean Cole, they could use some speed, somebody like Xavier Worthy or Malik Neighbors.
2: Yeah. They're I mean, another team that needs a lot guy, of pieces. They need a lot of pieces for sure. Neighbors is a guy that we haven't talked about enough in this range, but has no doubt played his way to this range. Hometown pick. Let's go, Neighbors, man. I like that. That's fun. Pair him with Keep them lot. in Louisiana. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of fun. Yeah. I like that.
1: It's on brand for the draft pod, also on brand for the draft pod. Making your life simple with game time tickets, the easiest way to get tickets to sporting events, concerts, stand up, whatever you're into, game time is going to have you covered. Find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for all kinds of events, even an hour after it starts. You know, if you're running late, you could still get it. Get in with the sweet deal at like game time. They take all the guesswork out of buying tickets, download the app, create an account, use the code DNVR for $20 off. Terms do apply again. Create an account and redeem a DNVR for $20 off your first purchase. Download game time today. Last minute tickets,
2: lowest price guaranteed. And also, big shout out to our friends at Foco. Foco manufactures some of the absolute best sports merch in the business. Rams, Buffs fans. You can find it all, Broncos. I love Foco because they have uh, they have the stuff that the other places don't have, you know, Um, the bobbleheads, the ornaments, the out there swimsuit or slides. Um, They've had all sorts of great stuff. You can see so much of their uh, gear on our sets when you're watching us on YouTube. And of course, you can go to their website, use that code DMVR. And uh, they'll always have your back. They are the place for Colorado sports fans. And, uh, you know, you can bet the get the best gear around by using the link in our description. And for all non-pre-sale items, use the code DNVR to get 10% off all Foco merch.
1: Finally, you know we love Breckenridge Brewery at DNVR. They've been with us since the very beginning. Basically, my entire wardrobe at this point is either DNVR or Breck merch. I, I just I rep the brands that do right by me. And Breck, they are by the people for the people. They're local. They've been doing it for 33 years. It all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer. They've got an awesome variety. So it doesn't matter what you're into, who you've got coming over, Breck is going to have a beer for them. I personally am a big Avalanche Amber Ale guy, especially now, you know, it's going to be a snowy weekend get cozy on the couch, throw some football on, throw back a couple of cold ones. Doesn't
0: get any better than that. Check out the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com. Find a brew near you. Beautiful. Nailed it. Yeah. All right, let's get into our week nine picks. It's already week nine.
2: It's crazy, man. And this is really like late October where stuff starts to get wonky, where the upsets are going to be plentiful. Good, not, not great card. We only have two matchups with top 25 teams going against each other. But again, I think there'll be some upsets. I think it'll be a fun one. You want to start with this Oregon at Utah?
0: Yeah,
1: I think so. I think that's probably the most intriguing game of the weekend. Um, could be a really physical game. You look at the the defensive fronts on both of these teams. These are teams that like to get after you. They want to bully you a little bit. When was the last time you saw Utah almost a touchdown dog at home? That just does not happen.
2: Yeah, and I mean, on principle, we're going to be taking the Utes. Utah's funny because against just about every opponent, when you're previewing the matchup, you're like, man, they are far, far inferior to this opponent offensively. And yet they find a way, you know, like they had no business keeping pace with that USC offense. But the USC defense is lacking so much. And I mean, the Utah defense made made up the margins. I think it's the Utes, man. I think they find a way. But this is a huge one, huge one. For Oregon and really establishing, are they Dan Lanning's program? Can guys like Bucky Irving on the offensive side set the tone with the running game? Can guys like Jordan Birch on the defensive side, that D-line's been so impressive, really win this matchup in the trenches and out Utah, Utah? It remains to be seen. Um, and six and a half seems just a smidge too rich. I think we're buying the hype a little too much, a little too much perception, you've been following this game long enough, you know Utah's the smart play.
1: Yeah, I will say, I do think Oregon is much better suited to out Utah, Utah than a team like USC. Obviously, they're you know stylistically much more similar. But in this moment, with the lights are brightest, a Kyle Whittingham defense is going to make it hard on a quarterback. And as much improvement as we've seen from Bo Nix, this is essentially like It's like when you have a rookie quarterback going up against Bill Belichick. You know it's just going to be historically a a rough night for him. So I'm rolling with Utah to cover. I'm picking Utah to win outright as well. I just think at home, it's what they do. It's what they've been doing for 10 years. And until they prove otherwise, I'm going to keep giving them the respect that they have earned.
2: Oregon needs Troy Franklin, their wide receiver, to come up with some big plays. He's been a huge factor for them. I'm in the early going. That would be the one way I could see this game.
1: If if you can create some explosives, if you're Oregon, Utah's going to try and shorten it. You're going to try and limit as many possessions as you can. You know, really lean on that ground game. But Oregon, if you can create some explosive opportunities, you're going to have a shot. But I just can't go against Whittingham. He's the man, even if he is a little bit prickly at times. Um, great coach. Great, great coach. The other top 25 game we have... Number 20, Duke at number 18, Louisville. Louisville's six-point favorites at home. This is traditionally a a hoops rivalry, but it's kind of fun to see it be a top 25 game on the football field. Can Duke recover from a tough loss? Does Louisville keep it rolling? What's your
2: guys say here? What's the status on Riley Leonard? It's going to play as far as I know. Yeah, no, so I like Duke then. Um, that would be the only question mark. I think Louisville's getting overrated just a smidge coming off that upset of Notre Dame. Um, of course, Duke was kind of being overrated earlier in the season with their loss of Clemson. So it's a bit of a prove-it game for these two um, ACC programs who've been like fun surprises this season. I just think Duke, with their with their fundamentals, I think they're a little more solid on both sides of the ball. And I think, you know, with that run game kind of powered by the quarterback run game, are able to shorten it and limit some of Louisville's explosiveness offense. I'm with you as well. I like, I like Duke to pull the the
1: road upset here. I just think a little bit more complete of a football team, a little bit more fundamentally sound. Obviously, Leonard's health is going to be a big question mark in this one. Without him, it's going to be tough to go out on the road and steal one. But I just like this Duke team They're I don't think they're great by any means, yeah. but they're well coached. They have an identity, and they just don't try and do too much. A little UNLV esque, or like yeah, like. really, really like that. That's a great comparison. Um, number six, Oklahoma, nine and a half point favorites at Kansas. Kansas five and two. I mean, it's. Uh, I like the Jayhawks to cover the nine and a half.
2: What's the QB situation for the Jayhawks?
1: I think it's gonna be uh, what's that kid? Jason. Um,
2: give me two seconds. It's not the Daniels. It's it's been his backup who's played pretty well as well. Yeah, it's
1: Jason Bean. There you go. Who's oh, been nice. good? Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, he has been good. Um, you know, this is one of those spots where, like Lawrence, late October, you might overlook them, but this isn't like this isn't your daddy's Kansas team. That's a pretty solid squad, even with their backup quarterback. Nine-and-a-half is a really well-set line, but I will take the home dog in this one to cover. I think Oklahoma wins it still, but yeah, I'm with you. I think yep. Kansas covers at home.
1: Uh, Georgia, number one team in the country, 14-point favorites against Florida. Games in Jacksonville, I believe, every year. Um, does Georgia cover? Florida's been up and down all year. They're they a really hard team to gauge right now.
2: I know. Um, and if I take Georgia, I'm chasing my tail because I've been back and forth on like, do they cover these big spreads against these like frisky but not great opponents? Um, and I was dead wrong on that Kentucky game a few weeks back. So was I. The UDFA. But I can't chase my tail. I got to stay true because then if the pendulum swings back, I want to be there to catch it, not always on the wrong side of it. So give me... The Gators, um, they've got some talent. Like Napier, actually has them playing better than than I expected coming into the season, and I I think they can be frisky. I also wonder if Georgia's kind of starting to figure some things out. And you know, I mean, this is a big rivalry game. They're going to get up for this and and want to smack them. Can they? I'm skeptical. So give me give me Florida just because. UGA hasn't proved they can cover those big, big spreads to me quite yet this season.
1: I like Florida to hang around basically all game. Georgia gets that run game going, pull away late, end up getting the late cover, win by 15 or 16 in a game that's significantly closer than the, the score will probably indicate. Not a bad call. All right, what right. do uh, we got left here? We've got, before we get to CSUCU, Uh, Number 11, Oregon State, three-point favorites on the road against an Arizona team. Playing some pretty good ball.
2: Wow, Arizona's turned a corner the last couple weeks, and is just pulling off some incredible results. Almost upset USC. And then who was it they absolutely stomped last week? Washington State. They beat their, absolutely beat their brakes off. Which, by the way, with Washington State, what's, like, Why is Cam Ward just like
1: fall apart? I'm so frustrated because this is the Washington state that I expected coming into the year. And then they come out and make me look like a moron, kick CSU's ass, start the world on fire, beat Wisconsin, make everybody believe in him. And now the, the carriage is turned back into a pumpkin or whatever. And. They're basically a 500 team, which is kind of what we expected coming in. It's why we thought CSU might have a chance to upset them in that week one game. But, um, yeah, Yeah, I'm give me Arizona at home dogs. I'm I'm rocking with them on principle one. But also, I just think they're playing better football right now. They're playing better football. They're
2: more multiple. They're more multiple Um, offensively. Their receivers are sick. Their wide receivers are sick. I actually think they're better than like USC's wide receivers.
1: That's what I was going to say. They might have the best receiving core in that conference, which is
2: saying something. I'd still take Washington, but just the fact that like you saying that didn't solicit like screams and insults, I think says a lot, you know, Um, that they've been outstanding. They've really been outstanding. Another QB controversy there too, right? Yeah, I mean, like it's like, how do you
1: not keep rolling with this kid?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and Oregon State's good; they're good. I think eleventh is way too highly ranked. They're not the eleventh best team. in the country. Not even. They're a really tough team. They're well. They remind
1: me so much of Utah. I feel like Oregon State is kind of the that developing Utah towards. We're going to play our brand of football. We're not going to get too cute. Um, you know, the quarterback play is usually not quite on the same level as those top other schools. And, you know, they kind of have a ceiling as far as what they're going to achieve offensively, but you know, they're, they're going to be really tough for you to play. I just think that this Arizona team has a potential to really break it open with a handful of plays. And I just like what they're doing offensively right now. So as much respect as I have for Oregon state, this is not me trying to like, be like, you guys are frauds. You aren't for real. I think you're a top 20 team. I think this Arizona team is for real. And it's more of a the respect that I've kind of developed for them as this season has gone on.
2: They're better right now. They feel like the better team. Um, that said, based on our predictions that we just had and just like reading the cards and thinking what was too easy, it's probably Georgia covering and us undervaluing Louisville. Name Jordan's.
1: Yeah, Louisville was definitely one that had me a little, a little squirmish. Um, yeah. Let's go. Before on. we get out of here, I wanted to get where you are at on this CU UCLA game. CU fifteen and a half point underdogs in the Rose Bowl sounds like it's going to be a a great crowd, which is fun. Chip yeah. Kelly, this UCLA defense has really impressed me. Offensively, they you know that ground game is is legit. Where are you at? Can the Buffs hang around with UCLA? Do they
2: have a path to victory in this one? It's going to be a tough clash of styles for the Buffs because uh, guys like Latu and that defensive front for UCLA is going to present some problems for that O-line. And yes, you were saying the run game and that identity offensively is going to be tough. Though offensively, they've struggled to find a rhythm and they've got a, a freshman quarterback who has... Flashes of brilliance, and then has had some some freshman moments, as you'd anticipate. I don't think they're as good in the trenches as they have been the last two seasons with DTR and Chip Kelly. Um, so I think there's an opening, and I think historically this has been one of those weird matchups for the Buffs, where the Bruins they're always playing tough, even if the Bruins are ranked and Brett Hundley, you know what have you, and they, you know, with a lot of the matchups. Um, for the buffs coming into in in this season, you're looking at it where their advantage is at quarterback. um, And that's a big advantage to have anytime you enter. So I think 15 and a half, I've seen it 16 and a half, some places. I think I'd take the buffs to cover in that one. Um, You know, coming hungry off a very tough loss to Stanford, having a bye week, having to sit and stew on this. I think they cover and can keep it close.
1: Yeah, I'll take CU to cover. Obviously, that Stanford game was brutal if you're a buff supporter. And that, it's just, that's the type of loss that can really be deflating for your season. I I know that uh, Dion said that he wished they didn't have the bye and he wanted them to be able to keep playing. I actually disagree. I think the bye came at a perfect time for them. I think it allows you to reset. I think it allows you to just kind of shift focus towards this last five week stretch of the season here, you know, like you kind of break these seasons down into quarters or, or halves, depending on, you know, where you're at as a program. And if you're CU, obviously the, the path to a bowl game became so much more challenging now with this remaining schedule, but I, I don't think that UCLA is like a three scores better than, than the buffs. You know, I, I didn't phrase that well, but I, I don't think they're, you know, 17 points better on any given day. So I go see you to cover and I, I rambled a lot there, but let's uh, wrap it up here with a couple of Mountain West games and we will hit the road. Yeah. Wyoming on the blue five point dogs at Boise state. Give me the Cowboys money line straight up. I just think they're the better team.
2: Yeah. We talked about this. Um, in the Rams uh, pod, I gave out Wyoming, Utah and the buffs in an all dogs parlay, which, you know, I mean, it's all dogs, so it's going to be a long shot. But those three local squads, I think, are very intriguing as dogs in really interesting spots this week. Yeah, I'm with you 1,000% on, uh, on Wyoming, good. Okay? CSU now 14-point dogs against Air Force. Can the Rams cover? It's going to be a really interesting matchup because we've seen... Air Force thus far in the early going of Mount West uh, Conference play handle teams kind of in that CSU range. Rams coming off a tough loss as well, though you know, and they're going to be hungry and they're going to be at home. Um, And sounds like there's going to be about half a foot of snow. You never know; like things could get wonky. Yeah. So I mean, the football X's and O's brain says this is exactly the kind of team that this CSU squad is still going to struggle with, that it's still lacking a little more completeness, maturity to get over the hump against. Everything I know, though, about college football as a better is this is the perfect spot to gamble on the Rams, right? It's when you're ready to count them out, when you're ready to say, and it's a perfect spot to be skeptical of Air Force, frankly, you know?
1: who's in between their two biggest rivalry games like this is historically when they stumble a little bit larry or their quarterback although he played is at least reportedly somewhat dinged up i don't know It was reported at one point that he was going to be out for a while and he didn't even miss a game so i don't know what's going to happen there but yeah i don't there's just something deep in my gut right now that is like i don't know i think this game is going to be weird and I, I like that for CSU. I felt very similar go, similarly going into the Rocky Mountain Showdown. That game obviously ended up being very weird. CSU had every opportunity to win it. Um, this is an Air Force team that's dominated them under Troy Calhoun. They've won 13 out of the last 15 since he came to town, so that all of the math, all of my brain, you know, says, "Roll with Air Force." Uh, that said, I'm taking the Rams to cover that spread. I think it'll be closer than most people think again. It really would not shock me if this is a one-possession game in the fourth quarter, just because it's just it's one of those weird years for CSU.
2: Hundred um, percent. My official pick, though, as you know, is Air Force, and there's a there's a method to the madness.
1: There's a method to the madness. We'll be back next week. Appreciate everybody's patience on the erratic schedule. It's been it's been a tough one, but we're gonna do what we can to make sure you get all the college football content that you deserve. So shout out to all you. We appreciate you listening to the pod. Keep up with all things CSU, CU, Broncos, everything we're doing over at DNVR Sports on the DNVR Sports YouTube channel. I'll be going live this weekend to break down this Air Force game. Jake, out in Los Angeles for that UCLA matchup. Much love y'all. Stay safe out there. Stay warm. Peace.